Good morning, how's everybody doing? It's great to see you if you're new. My name is Mark. Thanks for coming. If you have a Bible or an electronic device that has one on it, turn to James chapter 3 with me as we continue today. Love that song we just sang. My sister walked down the aisle at her wedding to Great is Thy Faithfulness. How about that? And uh, God is truly faithful. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. I'm putting away the, uh, and by putting away, I mean, meeting, uh, I mean eating the uh, leftovers, final leftovers today. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, I don't have a lot of announcements. If you have a bulletin, read it. Uh, there's some great stuff in there. Uh, ladies' tea's coming up this, uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Brad's going to come out at the end to help us get some of the chairs out of the way after this service is over in uh, preparation for that. Uh, but uh, just so grateful for the Christmas season upon us. I'm wearing my Christmas uh, red shoes and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to just a, a great season celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ with you. Can we pray? And we'll get going this morning. God, thanks so much for a chance to open your word now and to learn from you. Uh, we've been singing about you and singing to you our praises. Uh, we've given to you from what you've given to us. Uh, but now we want to hear from you and the things that your word has to teach us, especially this morning about wisdom. Uh, Lord, may we opt for your wisdom in every facet of our lives. And may you keep us, God, from the folly that is the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of our flesh. Uh, help us to hear from you and then follow you, to submit to you in all things, God, so that you get the glory you deserve and we can have the best life uh, that you can give us. As always, get me out of the way. Speak in my place, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've really enjoyed this study. We've been calling it The Life According to Jim. It's just simply a, a study verse by verse through the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he uh, was the f pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the first church, like officially. Like you've been to other towns where there's the first Baptist or first this or what. This was the first church. And uh, he uh, wrote his letter in A.D. 49, uh, I believe, to the people who were a part of his church who, because of persecution in Jerusalem, had to leave and were no longer at his church. And so it's no wonder that he starts with saying, consider it all joy when you've uh, faced trials of many kinds. They were facing trials of many kinds. He goes on and talks at length about so many pertinent subjects. If you haven't been here for the series, you can go on our website, baylife.org. And you can see those other sermons. It's, it's one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I love the whole book, the whole Bible. But uh, James is just so um, uh, wheels on the ground. And, and, and today's uh, t text that we're going to study is the same. It's probably one of my favorites in the entire book. Uh, we're going to stop James here and we'll pick it up some other uh, uh, day uh, get for, or some other series, get in chapters four and five. But we're going to talk about wisdom today. It starts out in James uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. He's just gotten done talking about the tongue. Was everybody here for that sermon? Did everybody watch what you say, uh, watch what you said after that? I hope so. Uh, our tongue can uh, praise God and at the same time it can set our world on fire. Uh, and so uh, preceding the words that come of our mouth, out of our mouths are the thoughts that form our words. And so that's where James is going to go next. He's going to go to our thinking and our, our decision making. He's going to ask about our wisdom. He says this, who is wise and understanding among you. I'll ask you that. Who out here is wise and understanding? Anybody out there wise and understanding? Like never? No one's ever made a good decision ever? Is anybody, ever, is anybody sitting next to a good decision in your life? Best decision in my life is written right over there. What's up, babe? How's it going? There she is. Yeah, there's, there's, 
There's been good decisions in your life. Give yourself some credit. God is good and his grace is full and it's been poured out on us in so many ways that we've actually made some good decisions in life. Can we all admit that? Right, okay. But I know why you didn't raise your hand. Because you know you've made some really poor decisions in your life. I have as well. Uh, I wake up every morning to the potential of boneheaded moves. You do too. I was sitting across the table from my uh, son Cooper uh, recently, and, and we were just talking about his life. He's going to turn 21 in a, like 10 days. It's crazy. Uh, and uh, uh, he's, uh, he's trying to figure out what's next, you know. He's finishing up his schooling, and uh, he's going to move from getting his associates to, you know, the next phase. And, and, one, and he's just trying to figure out, what should I do? How, who should I be? Dad, what, what's next for me? And I'm sitting there across the table from him, and, uh, you know, we've had this kind of conversation before, and so I'm, you know, assessing who my son is or who I think he is and what he'd be best at. But uh, God uh, hits me with this little nugget of wisdom, and he has me say these words to my son. Here's what I said to Cooper. I said, hey, Coop, all I want for you is what God wants for you. My only hope for you is, is his path for your life. And as you're trying to figure out your life, you should be seeking him out for what's next in your life. We went on and had other parts of that conversation, but I'm proudest most of of those words. Because what I was saying to my son is what Solomon said to his sons in the book of Proverbs. He says, hey son, uh, sons, his princes, uh, he says, listen, there's there's gonna be lots of choices in life. I've made some good ones, I've made some horrible ones. In fact, when uh, God came to me and asked me for the one thing that he could give me before I became king, I asked for wisdom, right? Make me wise. And uh, he gave me wisdom in it. And when I chose God's wisdom, things went great. I want to share with you some of those wise ideas here in this this book that we now have called Proverbs. Uh, But I also want you to be aware of some of the ways that folly can trip you up. Proverbs is actually this this great book. You should go read it. Uh, It's a great book that that actually personifies wisdom and folly and foolishness and the Wisdom is this desirable voice calling from the streets saying, do this, make sure you do this, and it's always going to lead you towards God's will and God's best. But folly, foolishness is like a harlot, and she kind of seductively comes up to you and says, hey, how about a little of this, right, and, and tries to steer you, that's how they do it back then, and they tries to steer you, tries to steer you away from what God would have for your life. We're all faced with it every day. God's best or the world's worst. Those are the two categories when it comes to wisdom. That's something about wisdom that you should know right away. It has very little to do with intelligence. That's good news for a lot of us in here, right? Uh, Intelligence is great. Don't get me wrong. Everybody in school, do well. Work hard. Study. Gain uh, uh, understanding and and, uh, and learn the, the, the intelligent stuff. But some of the smartest people I know are some of the dumbest people I know. Has anybody met them? They, they got all the degrees and all the, the smarts in the world, but when it comes to running their lives, they're just a hot mess. I had a friend in college, his name was Paul House, and uh, to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm in my late 40s now, he's still the funniest guy I ever met. I mean, just, uh, and, and just so you know, if, if people are funny, it takes intelligence to be funny. He was a smart guy, and he had impeccable comedic timing, and he just, our group of friends, he just slayed us almost every day with some crazy something he would say or do. He was just the funniest guy I ever met. 
Smartest, one of the smartest guys I ever met, too. He went to this little Bible college in Chicago called Moody Bible Institute, and he aced every class, never opened a book. Uh, he went from that school because he wanted to play football at college before his eligibility ran out. He went to a little private school in a place called Wheaton, Illinois, called Wheaton College, which is kind of like the Harvard of private Christian colleges. And he aced everything there, too. He was just exceedingly intelligent and dumber than a post. He's the guy who, when we were all sitting in this apartment that we were all living in at the time, uh, he took a pot of macaroni off the stove, walked out to the living room that we were all sitting in watching Wheel of Fortune, and plunked the pot down on the carpet and proceeded to eat from the pot with a spoon his macaroni. We hadn't really noticed it until we had smelt the burning rug, and all of us in, in chorus said, House, what are you doing? What? One of us grabbed the pot, and there was the evidence of the pot being there that would eat up the safety or the, the, the whatever down payment deposit, the security deposit of the, whoever rented the apartment from now on. And we just threw stuff at him because that's what we did, you know, kicked him. And, what? And he'd made a joke, and we all ended up laughing. It's still one of the funniest stories that our friend group will ever tell. Six months after, uh, my friend Paul put a pot of macaroni on the carpet. He, he was dead. 25 years ago on Christmas Eve, uh, he took his Jeep, uh, pulled it into the garage of the house of the friend that he was staying at for Christmas uh, and left it running until his life ran out of him. As a 21-year-old, about a month and a half before I got married, I got the uh, 22-year-old, I got to go and, uh, and bury one of my buddies. We sat in that church, and we laughed because we told the stories. We reminisced, and we lamented that uh, we'd never get those moments again, that we wouldn't grow old together and talk to each other on this thing that we didn't know would exist called Facebook. Uh, why? Well, because uh, in a profound moment of despair, our friend unwisely decided not to talk to one of us or turn to the God who he knew loved him and unwisely took his own life. I believe he's in heaven, if you're wondering about that. I, I don't think stupidity negates grace. But I think we can live unwisely And I think God wants so much more for us. A lot of people come to church and they think that, you know, they're just here to figure out what God wants from us. I, I don't, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that God expects of us, but I, I think his chief aim is, is to give life to us. He came, Jesus came, so that we might have life and have it to the full. And so when I preach to you, I want to I preach to you the things that, that God wants for you, not just from you. He wants you to have the best life that you can have. But the requirement for that life is that you choose his wisdom. You've got to choose to live the life that he's called you to. You've got to choose to understand what he hopes for you. And then surrender to that path, to that plan. That's how you get to the best life that he can give you. I wrote down this definition. It's not a very good one, but I think it says what I want to say. 
Maybe it's a good one. I don't know. Wisdom's not knowing everything, but it's the choice to seek God in everything. That's true wisdom. As we get into James, uh, I wanted to kind of just do a brief summary of the rest of Scripture and what it has to say about wisdom. So can I give you like four avenues to the wisdom that I'm talking to you about today? These are the ingredients that go into us living uh, in true wisdom and honoring God with this life that he's given us. The the first thing is that if we're going to honor God, we've got to revere him. Reverence. Everybody heard that one before? Reverence? I don't know what it conjures up in your mind when I say it. Maybe you think of you know, a very staid, ceremonial-type religious experience where everybody's very... Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily... Uh, not, not shaking like that, but you, you know what I'm saying. Everybody picturing high church-type stuff. When you think reverence, I don't want you to necessarily think, you know, uh, boring and rigid or anything like that. I want you to think two things. I want you to think knowing God personally, not just knowing about him. And then what we've been talking about, choosing to submit to God in, in the life that we live. That's, that's true reverence. True reverence is not wrapped up in a lot of formality. It's, it's true reverence is, is, is knowledge of God, knowing him personally, and then choosing in that knowledge of him to do what he says. That's reverence. Uh, in other parts of Scripture, they, they, they clarify or qualify reverence as the fear, the fear of the Lord, it says, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Yeah, you want to be wise? Fear God. Not like he's the boogeyman, he's going to squash you like a grape or something. But have reverence for God. Know him. Be intimate with him. And then choose the things that he's choosing for your life. This reverence, this fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of the wisdom. And, the, and, and knowledge of the Holy One is, is inside itself. If you can know God, you can know the best way to live life. I think a lot of people think they know God, but all they really know is what they've made God over into in their own thinking. God made us in his image, and then humanity, because of sin, has been busy making God over in our image or into our liking. Like some people see God as this cosmic Santa Claus, he's just supposed to give me things, and when he doesn't, I can be mad at him and get get angry and just kind of leave him, because he didn't come through in what my understanding of him is, which is, he's the gift giver. And I should never have to suffer because in my life it's all about me and God's only as good to me as what he gives to me. And if he's not going to give me stuff, I'm out. Okay, just so we're clear, read the book. That's not God. God is not, you know, uh, in existence for us. In fact, he's created us for him. It's the exact opposite. But we love to mold him into our thinking. And, and, and therefore, you know, lots of people go to church their whole lives, and I don't think they ever really understand who God is. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're never going to, you know, finish that. We're all working on it, right? Is everybody, that's why we're hanging out today? Take another step in this process of understanding the vastness and the, uh, uh, you know, the unknowableness of a, of a God who wants us to know him, right? <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't think any of you know, so I, don't, I think there's some of us in here just haven't even started. We're like the people at the end of uh, an episode of Undercover Boss. Anybody ever seen this show? Where the boss goes, you know, and puts a wig on, some mustache, mustache and he goes and hangs out with the, you know, the, the, the people on the ground in his company that makes donuts or makes sandwiches or collects the trash in his, I don't know, it's whatever. 
And, uh, and at the end of the show, they all are brought into head, headquarters and they're ushered into the CEO's office and, and there's, you know, Carl who was, you know, just helping me, you know, on the sandwich line and, well, and then he takes the stupid wig off, which they never noticed the wig. I don't understand that. It's the, they're the worst wigs ever, right? You got to know this dude is like a creeper at the very least. Anyway, uh, he takes the wig and the mustache off and he says, hi, I'm Brotherford, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm your CEO. And, and, and it's funny to watch the, <laughs> the reactions on the people who had been hanging out with this guy during the episode of Undercover Boss because some of them are like, oh, no way. And they, they don't have anything to regret because they were cool while they were hanging out with this guy they didn't know was their boss. And then some of them are like, ooh. <laughs> they're replaying the tape in their head because they're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that about whoever the idiots were that were running this place, right? I think a lot of people are going to get to heaven and it's going to be like the end of an episode of Undercover Boss. And they're going to see God as he is. And they're going to be like, oh, I didn't think that's who you were. I didn't think that's what you were about. And he's going to be like, bro, I was with you the whole time. I, I, was, I was teaching you and, and, and admonishing you and encouraging you and and pointing you through the circumstances of your life into the things that I hope for you. And you never saw me because you settled for knowing a lot about me but not truly knowing me. Others of us, though, <laughs> it's not that we don't know God. We know him, but we don't have that second part of reverence in place. And, and every one of us in here is guilty of this. Uh, we know what he wants, and we just choose not to do it. Reverence is knowing God, not just knowing about him, but it's knowing God, knowing what he wants, and, and submitting to it. And that, that's where we in our sinfulness just have problems. I get to golf at this private course here in our town every once in a while, and uh, there's lakes around it, and around the lakes are these signs that are, that are huge. Like they say, no fishing, no swimming. Guess where the kids in the neighborhood love to post up while they're fishing? Right next to those signs. There's this rail on the, on the back steps here behind our building, and it's not there anymore. There used to be, back when skateboarding, skateboarding was huger, uh, kids would basically ride their skateboards down this rail into the back of our building, uh, grind the rail, and, and essentially just stop short of flying through the back doors, the glass back doors of our, back doors of our building, right? So we put a sign up. We even tried to be nice. Here's all the things you can do. You can walk, you can pray, you can, we put all the things you can do. Here's all the things we'd prefer you not to do. Don't skateboard on our property. I come, out of my, <laughs> I come out of my office one night, and this kid, right by the sign, next to the rail, on our, is, is grinding his skateboard. This thing's like four feet off the ground. He's going down this skateboard, no brakes, and just, bam, smacking into the back door of our building. And I walked up to Junior, and I was like, bro, is this a literacy issue? Can you read? And then just runs, right? I was hoping he'd stick around. I wanted to have more fun. <laughs> but that's us. God's posted the speed limit, and we're like, eh. And you know why? Because we think we're special. Everybody else got to go that, that speed. I'm special. Everybody else is supposed to wait until they get married to have sex. I'm special. Ooh, too close. Everybody else can do what everybody else in Scripture is supposed to do, but I got my reasons. I'm going to hold on to my anger because what was done to me is just that bad. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make up for the things that I know aren't right by doing all these other things, and in my economy of theology, that's going to be good enough. <laughs> that's not how it works. It's called rebellion. It's called fishing by the no fishing sign. And some of us have a problem with that. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I hope you do. But run a check. How's the reverence in your life? For some of you, you're sitting here, you don't know God yet. I'm glad you came. I'd love to introduce you to him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get to know God. You surrender your life to him by putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross to save you from your sin, which is there. You're a mess. So am I. Let's quit faking like it's not there. And let's bend the knee to the one who can save us from it, all right? But some of you, most of you are probably sitting here, you know God. You put a, your faith in God, you're going to high school and you've always known Jesus because my parents drug me here every week. But you're just saying, yeah, you know what? I don't care what he says about this. I'm gonna do what I want. Because really, I'm God. Uh, if those things are true about you, you haven't understood reverence yet. And, and like I was just saying, uh, this next thing, you haven't maybe experienced your conversion yet. Here's, here's the great news about our faith in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus and become Christians, we get the download that is his wisdom. Look what it says here in 1 Corinthians. Paul writes about God. He says, because of God, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Just so you know, if you're a Christian right now, it's not because you had a great idea one day and decided you were going to follow Christ. God drew you to himself by the Holy Spirit so that you could understand your need and you could respond to his gospel. Isn't that great? I said, isn't that great? That's good news. Just making sure you're awake. He says, uh, Christ Jesus is ours because of God's, you know, drawing us to him. And he became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Paul's basically saying all the things that are our goals as Christians are ours already in Christ. It, they've, they've already arrived. They are at ours, or ours to access by his grace and as part of our redemption. I was uh, running uh, recently this past couple of months. I started running, and so uh, I listened to my headphones. I used to have this armband thing, and it just bothered me, so I started wrapping up my, uh, my uh, phone in my pocket with a towel that I use at the gym. It's, it's a great system. If you want to adopt it, just go ahead. But uh, I put it in my pocket while I'm running so it doesn't jangle around and, you know, uh, break. And uh, <laughs> I listen, you know, sometimes I listen to, like, uh, a playlist on, on Pandora, the, the pop of the 80s, 80s pop. And, you know, I dig me some 80s pop. Come on, Jesse's girl? Jesse was a friend. Um, he's always been a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but there's some songs from the 80s, if I never hear them again, uh, it'll be fine. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. Kill me now. Just kill me now. I don't want to hear that ever again. It should have never been made. Shame on us who lived back then for listening to it. It should have never been popular. I don't care if you're a cheerleader and you did your routines to it. It's horrible. Okay? So it comes on, and and other songs like it would come on, and I would just have to trudge for those three and a half, four minutes through those songs, just being like, ah, until finally one of my kids, as I was complaining about this, came to me and said, Dad, you know, on your earbuds, this is a little button. I'm like, stop right there. I know there's that button. I, I've used it to pause. You know, I know you can pause with that thing. They said, hey, slow down. 
If you click it twice, you can skip to the next song. <laughs> right? I mean, heaven opened and the glory shone down. I don't ever have to listen to, oh, Mickey, you're so fine again. Because they told me how to use what I'd had for years and never knew was there. I think the wisdom of God is like that in a lot of Christians' lives. It's always there. It came with the download. But you just don't access it. Young people, listen to me. I know if you're like in high school, heading to college, in college, heading out of college, your life is ahead of you. God bless you. I pray it's a great adventure. But the most important question you can ever ask of your life is what does God want for me? And to access his wisdom, because if you're a Christian, it's already there. Quit going to all your guidance counselors and friends and parents. I mean, listen to them too. They're nice, I'm sure. But uh, I stand on this stage as testimony to the fact that you can become something you never wanted to become at the behest of God. And it's way better for you to be in the center of God's will than doing something that your aptitude points you towards. This isn't going to get done. Scripture. <laughs> Scripture's uh, uh, God's uh, memo pad of wisdom. Uh, David wrote uh, most of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, and in Psalm 119, he wrote the, lo- wrote the longest song. He took the Hebrew alphabet, and he basically just made this long poem uh, about the word of God and the scriptures that he had uh, to study for himself. He said in verse 97 of that Psalm, he said, oh, how I love your law, how I love to read your words, in essence. It's my meditation all the day. He says, your commandments make me what? They make me wiser. Then who? Then my enemies, for, for it is ever with me. He goes on and he says this, I have, I have more understanding or I'm wiser than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. He says, I understand or I'm wiser than even the aged, for I keep your precepts. Here, here's what he just said. God's wisdom can help you overcome whatever uh, ills that your enemies have for you. And it, A lot of people don't understand God's wisdom. They think, well, if, if God's so great, why would he allow bad things to happen to me? Well, we talked about that in one of the first sermons we preached in James. He's going to use those things as a crucible to, to test your faith, to, to, to get you stronger in your faith. And in wisdom, if you choose to see trials as that, you come out on the other side of the things that you didn't bring to your life uh, stronger from them. Get that? And so no matter what your enemies throw at you, in wisdom, if you're able to withstand whatever your enemies bring, like David did when his saw was chasing him from cave to cave, you become a, a stronger man of faith and a man of God as a result of choosing wisdom in the face of what your enemies will throw at you. Are you with me? He even says, though, that, that you, uh, my, your wisdom or your, uh, my understanding of your, your word, the scripture, it makes me smarter than my teachers. It makes me smarter than the old people. Yeah, in most cultures, uh, snow on the roof, right? Some white hair. Uh, it, it mostly means, hey, this guy's older. He's lived a little bit. He's probably, you know, worth listening to. I think that is generally true, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've met some really stupid old people <laughs> who don't have any wisdom. I mean, they've lived their whole life, and they're just as dumb as they were when they came out. <laughs> and so wisdom is not this thing that's tied to age. It's not this thing that's tied to intelligence or some 
amount of schooling. It's not this, it, it's, it's this thing that God gives us, and it's this thing that we can glean from his word. And I pray that every time you come here, you're getting wiser from hearing what God's word has to say. Uh, we also know that prayer is an avenue for God's wisdom to come to us. It says in the first chapter here of James's book, if any of you lacks what? Wisdom. Let him what? Let him ask God. Talk to God. If you're a Christian, it's there. It's in the download. But you still have to access it. The way that we access what is already ours in Christ is we talk to him. We talk to God the Father and we say, hey, what's the wise thing to do in this situation? Before my thoughts become my words, before my thoughts become my actions, what's your path? How can I glorify you and get your best in this situation? I hope you're active in your prayer life when it comes to the choices that you must make. And I hope even if it doesn't seem to make sense, if, if you, listen, uh, someone told me once that the, the best way to discern God's will in your life is, is, is the means of, of three things, and I'm condensing here, but basically it's um, the word of God is, is what you're thinking about doing contrary to what scripture teaches. Uh, if it is, don't do it. Uh, it. The counsel of God. So go to other Christians. That's why life groups are so important around here. It's like you, you having relationships with other followers of Jesus Christ is so crucial because sometimes uh, you, you'll know what the word says and it'll kind of be fuzzy so you can go to other people and say, hey, what do you think about this? You can go to the, 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 you know, the, the, the wisdom of counselors that God brings into your life and they can help you with that. But then finally, the third determiner of the will of God is your own conversations with him, your intimacy with God. And so even when uh, the word may not speak, uh, you know, clearly about what you're considering, or it may just be, you know, uh, silent. Uh, if if your, your counselors are telling you, no, this is the dumbest idea ever, but you're sensing that the will of God for your life is to go forward, to be the missionary in China, you know? I've hardly ever met a missionary in a, in a tough part of the world whose family was like, yes, great idea. Love to see you over there in that place where you might lose your life. Yeah, sometimes counselors will say, no, don't do that. But if you sense in your gut, like Noah, that you're supposed to build a boat in a desert, then go with God and honor him in those things. If you sense in your gut, like Abraham, that you're supposed to go to your whole family that depends on you and this land that you have settled to provide for you and say, hey, pull up the tent pegs. We're gonna head to wherever this God that's talking to me is telling me to go. I don't know where it's gonna end up, but we're gonna just start walking then go with that. Talk to God, hear from God, and allow him to lead you in, your, in his wisdom. Now, can we talk about James? I told you this was gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go through this real fast and you'll be out of here in, in six minutes or more. What does James tell us about wisdom? Three things. First of all, here's what the text that we're supposed to be studying today tells us. Uh, wise people live right and think right. Wise people live right and think right. Look what it says, James says this. Who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let that person who is wise and understanding show his works in the meekness of wisdom. This is kind of confusing language because it's translated from Greek into English, but, but basically he's saying, hey, you want, you want proof that someone's wise? You can see it in how they live, and you can sense it in the attitudes that they live their life with. Okay, so just cover it real quick. Uh, you want evidence of wisdom? Look at someone's life. I mean, maybe they lucked out. Actually, all of us have, by the grace of God, been given way more than we deserve. Does everybody agree with me on that? Can I get an amen on that? All right. But 
All of us have been given choices to make, and when we've made good choices, God's blessing, uh, we, we, we've reaped what we've sown, if you want to put it that way, God's blessing has come to us. When we've made bad choices, we suffered the consequences. Everybody agree with me on that? So if you look at someone's life and their life, life is, is kind of reasonable and it's not completely a mess, probably the result of their good choices turning into good conduct. Are you with me? Now, the second component of, of wise living, though, is this meekness that he describes here. This, that wisdom comes with meekness. What an interesting thing for God to kind of hitch up to his wisdom. His wisdom doesn't come um, through forcefulness or through, uh, you know, uh, uh, just the, the, the will of someone being, uh, in fact, uh, the, the further we get from our will being done, the more wisdom will flow into our life and out of our life and how we live. He says you've got to be meek. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that the meek shall inherit the what? Blessed are the meek because they're going to inherit the earth. Je- Jesus says this about himself. Describes himself as being meek. He says, come to me all who will labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He says in verse 29 of Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Let's, let's link arms and let's lock ourselves together and walk through life. And he says, learn from me. And what does he want us to learn from him? Meekness. These are the, the, the defini- definition words of weakness, or meekness, not weakness. He says, I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. I'm not bowing up to everybody. I'm not trying to be big and bad and all that. Why? Because Jesus understands that that's rooted in the id, in self, in self-promotion, in self-worship. I defer to my Father. I choose surrender and wisdom and surrender. Wisdom and meekness are inextricably linked. He says, if you can figure this out, if you can live like I live, learn from me and become gentle and lowly in heart, that you'll find rest for your souls. Who wants some rest out there? Anybody need some rest? If you want rest, you choose God's wisdom. If you want God's wisdom, you choose meekness, surrender, submission to him. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it comes. We've got to think Yoda and not Vader. We've got to think stay low instead of coming in demanding. That's where he goes next. Look what it says. It's, it's, we're going to learn that we need to steer clear of false wisdom that makes messes in life. That's where James goes next. He says, listen, but if you have bitter jealousy... If you're selfishly ambitious in your hearts, don't compound it by boasting and, and being false to the truth. Now, he just got done talking about uh, false teachers, chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, none of you should be you know, eager to teach. Remember he said that? Uh, so he's, he's talking specifically to people who are unwisely using their words so that they can get ahead in life and get all the shine and all that kind of stuff. But he's talking generally about this condition in us called the sin nature that wants to elevate ourselves above God, make us more important to him, make us the, 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 you know, the true north, the end of all ends. And when we do that, which is our human nature to do, uh, we, we, we get really good at looking at other people and saying, hey, I deserve that. Whatever they have, they didn't do anything to get it. I'm working just as hard as they are. Why don't I have? More. That's bitter jealousy. And then that bitter jealousy just turns into, well, I don't just want what they want. I want more than what they've got. That's selfish ambition. 
All of it rooted in this whole promotion of me. I deserve, I want, I, ha- I should have. When we do that, we get all kind of arrogant, full of self, and we start telling ourselves lies. Everybody think about the times when you've been your dumbest. Made the, is everybody there? Made your stupidest mistakes. In those moments when you were the biggest bonehead that you can remember yourself being, did you tell yourself some lies? Did you say to yourself, you know what, this, how can this not work out? <laughs> no one will ever find out. I'm special. And because I'm special, I deserve this. And so I'm going to do what makes me happy now. That's where he goes next. He goes on and he says this in verse 15. He says, this is not wisdom that comes down from above. This is a God's wisdom. This is earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. All right, earthly wisdom. Let's talk about that. That's the wisdom that comes from the world. And it's the wisdom that says, I just want what I want, and I want it now. Like that commercial, I want my money, and I want it now. That's a cousin of the McDonald's commercials from the 70s. You deserve a break today. Come on out. I don't know. I think I just made up a song. Anyway, um, but our, our culture has told us forever that we should serve we. That it's all about me getting mine, boo-boo, right? It's just me having what I want. And when, when that happens, James says... We're earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Unspiritual just means that we leave God out of stuff. Demonic means that we're acting like the demons did. Some of you are like, well, hey, slow down, James. I'm not a demon. Oh, really? I mean, maybe not in your essence, but in your actions and your choices. You're just like Lucifer was when he fell from heaven. When you say to God, I deserve more. I want what I want, and I want it now. Hey, uh, you need to elevate me instead of me elevating you. Isn't that what Satan did when he fell from heaven? If you don't know, that's what Satan did when he fell from heaven. Isn't that what the demons did when they followed Satan? Yeah, I deserve more too. So anytime that you're thinking, man, life is just not fair. Uh, You know, I deserve better. And you start getting all uppity and angry with the God who has given you, by the way, more than you ever should have. Uh, just know that you're heading into this earthly, unspiritual, and demonic brand of wisdom. When it happens in your life, it says in verse 16, bad things are coming. For where jealousy and selfish ambition, this, this empty, earthly wisdom is, there's going to be disorder in every vile practice, and you're going to make a mess. Let's instead choose this. Let's steer into true wisdom that produces good stuff in life. And that's where he leaves us, and that's where I'll leave you. He says this, he says, but the wisdom from above, not the wisdom from the earth, heavenly wisdom, godly wisdom, it's first pure. Now when you think pure, here's what I want you to think, and which is what James means, is, is it's in step with, in line with, in, in, in sync with God and his character. Like when I make decisions for our family, when we've moved and, and, and had you know, choices to make, even moving here to Brandon, we weren't exactly sure what God wanted us to do, and so we prayed and and we consulted, and, and uh, uh, we tried to figure it out. And, and then Eleanor and I got to the point where we're like, listen, God, put all the noise aside, just you and us. Help us figure out what we need to do to know if we're supposed to be here. 
When you hear pure, think, I just want to lock in with God. I don't want any other noise. I don't want any other distractions. I just want to know what God wants, and I want to do it with my life. That's, that's, that's the characteristic or the, 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 what's emblematic of God's wisdom, is us just purely being in step with him and following him where he leads us. When that happens, uh, most scholars agree that this is the result. We get things like peace. Anybody like peace out there? Yeah, we get... We get this life that's marked by gentleness, humility. We're open to reason. How many people have ever started in one direction and because of wisdom, someone's wisdom or so, you realizing something as you were heading in this one direction, you were like, no, I shouldn't be doing this. And you went in the opposite direction and you look back in, in your life's history and you're like, man, I'm so glad that happened. You know why you were able to shift gears and, and shift streams? The wisdom of God prevailed in that situation in your life. Because true wisdom is an open wisdom, an openness to whatever could be coming, to us being willing to go in the direction that God uh, would have us go, even if we've started and, and headed in this direction uh, to, to begin with. Are you with me? Abraham Lincoln, uh, 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 what was his secretary of state? doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, or secretary of war. He was in the middle of the Civil War. Uh, I wish I remembered his name because then I'd sound really smart. But... Uh, um, he, he, he sent some troop movements to his Secretary of War to hand down to the armies during the Civil War. And the Secretary of War wrote back to his boss, the president, and said, I'm not doing it. This is the dumbest thing you've ever asked me to do. And uh, Abraham Lincoln had one of his, his uh, couriers read the letter to him in front of the rest of the members of his cabinet uh, because this guy was in another place. And everybody looked at Abraham Lincoln to see what he was going to do. Because I don't know how it works at your job, but if one of the underlings tells the boss that he's stupid... That's, that's fitting to be something, right? Abraham Lincoln reads the letter, here's it read to him, and he says, wow, my Secretary of State has never been wrong. I must have been wrong in my choices to ask him to do that. I'm gonna ride to where he is. We're gonna have a conversation and make sure that I wasn't wrong in my judgment. He wouldn't have had that conversation. He figured out that his Secretary of the War was right and it was one of the deciding factors and the determiners of the Civil War was Abraham Lincoln rescinding an order that would have turned out to be his ruin. Everybody with me on this? If you're able to do that, you're operating in the wisdom of God. Because even in our purest and, and best of motives, we're not really that pure. We're still kind of marred by sin and limitation. And so we can head in the direction we think is great, and all of a sudden God says, oh, over here. And we need to be able to switch streams and move as he moves. There's so much more. I don't have time. Read the book. It's good. All right. Um, <laughs> but here's the point. I hope you've been getting it all morning. Uh, every one of us, our lives are the product of our choices. Okay? We get a bunch of them. We get to make a ton of choices in life. And every one of those choices is influenced by our thought processes. And so you think preceding your choices, whether the big ones or the seemingly smaller ones, but you think before you choose, before you speak, before you act. You think. And in that little room where you're sorting out what you're going to do, there's two doors. And over the one door is God's wisdom, a sign that says, this is what God wants. And over the other door 
is all of your appetites and the world's wisdom saying, this is what you want. Because <laughs> a lot of times they're not the same. And what my prayer for us as a church is, is that we would all choose the wisdom of God in every decision and action and even every word that we say. Because it's in choosing his wisdom that he gets the glory that he deserves from our lives and that we get the best life that we can have in our following of him. So, sort out on the way home the ways that maybe you've been unwise. Ask God to prevail in your lives with his wisdom so that you can have his best for you. Let me pray this and we'll be done. Hey God, thanks so much for uh, teaching us about yourself through your word and for revealing what it is to, to have true wisdom. We know that it comes from meekness and humility, so I want to pray that first for us. Would you just lead us to surrender to you in every phase and facet of life? Uh, would you give us good ears to hear your voice uh, so that uh, as uh, your sheep and as you as our shepherd, we can follow you uh, in the directions that you want to take us. Lead us to green pastures and by still waters. Uh, restore our souls, God as we submit to you and your wisdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.